RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Beaming right into your homes, right on schedule, unless your internet connection is spotty, then it's just Facebook video, 7 p.m. on Monday night. It is Mission Log Live. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson. And I'm John Champion. Welcome back to our coverage of the inaugural season of Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, Let's see, we've talked about episode one. That can only mean that tonight is episode two. Envoys, we did our homework, we took notes. How about you? What did you think? Could you try that many departments on a ship in only a day? I, I could not. I'm just going to tell you right now, but I definitely could not. Uh, click on the Zoom meeting link to talk to us live or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833. The meeting code is in the show notes and on your screen. And remember, there is a passcode to get into the meeting. That's right. We could only talk to each other for so long and we want to hear what you have to say. I definitely want to know what you have to say. Did you spot all the Easter eggs? Would you chase down a drunk Klingon and get in a bar fight with Andorians? I Call. I bet you would. I, bet I would not. I am very small. <laughs> you can call us or join us on video in the Zoom meeting link. Earl will greet you. He's amazing. Then you'll be here on the air chatting with Star Trek with us. Yes. All right. Well, hey, let's see who's in the uh, Facebook chat tonight. Great to see so many friendly, familiar faces. Uh, Chris, right off the bat, Chris has a comment that I, I think is important to address. Starfleet Branding Division. That, that's where he wants to be. They're <laughs> always working deltas on the soles of their boots. There's, I there's loved that. They look, I, I want those yeah. as booties. I want that at STLV next year. They were so cute. Okay, so there you go. There, Chris, there's your first customer right there. Got John Van Sitters on the phone, make it happen. Uh, then there's uh, Tim. Uh, there's Michael. Michael says, I like Rutherford's story the most here. Uh, though played for laughs, it's quite a nice Starfleet idea that every division on the ship would be so open and willing to help him out. I, uh, Michael, I cannot uh, agree with you more. In fact, I think we'll get into that definitely as we we talked about the episode tonight. Yes, I actually I see you getting very happy about this already. Yes. It's so cute. It's so cute. It is. It is. Oh, we got Narda. Narda saying good day. I'm not going to try an accent. Good day from Outback good Australia. Die, Whoa, so good. Uh, there's Tom. There's Thomas. Uh, there's uh, gosh, who else? Paul. Again, all the Pauls start to chime in. There's Peter. There's other Paul. There's Dominic, there's Carlos, uh, there's David. I'm sure there'll be another David in there at some point. Matthew, Alan, uh, Sarah, there's so many people uh, there tonight. We're so glad to see all of you. I'm excited about tonight's show. Um, You know, what's interesting to me, Ashley, is that you have a show that is 22 minutes long. And yet, and yet there was so much more to even talk about last week than we ever got to. And I feel like this week, it's the same thing. There's just a ton packed into these shows. Oh, we are, especially in this episode, we are replete with Trek (laughs) Easter eggs from every series. So we'll, hopefully we'll get to most of them, but we'll see. We'll try our best, John. (laughs) That's really why it's up to our callers. You have to tell us what were the Easter eggs that you loved. That uh, Aaron Harvey earlier tonight was sending me these screenshots that he did uh, where he was like freeze frame and going through and there's that character and there's that character. I mean, stuff that completely passed me by. So call in, 
Let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, hey, before we get into the recap and into our poll, a uh, few notes about what is coming up. So next week, I will not be here, but Norman, Norman Lau, the other half of Michelle. Hey, don't look so sad, Ashley, because here with you, <laughs> you and Norman are going to have know. a great time. <laughs> we will. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. So very happy about that. And then uh, very excited to announce, we'd only mentioned this to our Patreon followers at first, but uh, it happened. We had our interview with Walter Koenig the other day. So that audio will drop about a week from today. I believe nice. it is so good. He is so awesome. So uh, definitely look out for that coming as a mission log supplemental. You, you have great love for Walter. I, I do. And yeah. it's so nice that, look, I got some spoilers that Patreons and people don't know, uh, but it's so nice <laughs> to hear that he was lovely. And it is nice that the hot guy from the original TOS grew up to be a lovely, lovely gentleman. And what is he, you said he's the hot guy from he was uh, He was introduced uh, to bring yeah. in a younger audience, right? Because they wanted uh, all the young ladies ladies who like the monkeys to get on board and let me tell you he was a and still is to this day a very good looking man it is absolutely it is. <laughs> there you go uh so that'll come out on monday keep an eye out for that and then uh sunday though sunday the 23rd at 10 30 a.m pacific time norman and i will be doing our patreon hangout so that is open to all levels of our Patreon followers. And we just, you know, look, we don't set an agenda. We don't set a time limit on that. Uh, we just show up and we hang out. I'm usually, you know, 1030 is still early for me. So I still have the entire <laughs> pot of coffee going and I'm just trying to make my way through it. But it, it's a blast. It's just so much fun to talk to everybody from, from all over the world. Uh, Paul, other Paul, not that Paul, other Paul calls us from New Zealand where it's like five o'clock in the morning Dang. there. Yeah, five o'clock in the morning the next morning. Time zone. Yeah, <laughs> so, but, but he's dedicated, he does it, and we love him for it. So, um, and then finally, this is exciting news, everybody. Ashley, if you will recall, last week we had a caller who said that he had not yet seen the Trek shorts. Yes, short, I recall. Short Treks. I believe they call them. Either way. Either way. Well, I am here to let you and everybody else know that CBS uh, has released all of the short treks available for free until the end of August. Uh, it's all part of a campaign to support the shorts. Uh, they were nominated for Outstanding Short Form Comedy or Drama Series for the Emmys. They're up for an Emmy Award. That is awesome. So you can see those at cbs.com or on the CBS mobile app or on YouTube. Again, that is just until the end of August. But how cool of them to do so that. cool and i can't yeah. wait for people to check them out and then come back and tell us that we were right and calypso is the best one <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yes uh so before we get to the recap uh how about you recap our poll from last week oh how about i do that so last week we talked about the lower decks premiere did we love it did we not love it most people were correct in loving it i i just everyone's opinion is totally valid and we welcome them all here this week we asked a question that scared me down deep into my star trek branded boots did and I that know. is who, who would you rather take on a pub crawl corinne or mariner and Mariner won out. So I'm very uh, proud of my girl. She came out on top of this one. Well, I have to admit, that's kind of the obvious answer. But look, Karen's strengths are that A, he can keep going and he can pretty much get you into anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy is a parting animal. He is not going to take no for an answer. And he can just keep going. Mariner, though, can get you out of trouble. Yes. That's, that's her skill. So I also want to shout out Corinne for being like appropriately verbose and full of energy as a Klingon, but also respectful. He never crossed any inappropriate line, so he is a good man. <laughs> that is very true. Very good. Uh, well, I tell you what, I know that people are standing by. They want to call in. They want to talk okay. to us. We want to talk about the episode. So I'll just, I'll buzz right through this recap and then, and then there we go, right? Let's do it. Okay. <clears throat> Mariner and Tendi are walking through a corridor on the Cerritos when they encounter an energy being. It's fearsome and powerful and totally scared of being stuffed into a tube by Mariner, so it grants her a wish. She asks for a new tricorder and the required power cell, which then taps out the creature's energy, leaving it not a threat at all when it passes right through Captain Freeman's body a moment later. Boimler catches up with his friends later to tell them the amazing news that he has been chosen to escort the Klingon Karen by piloting him to Tulgana 4. His excitement is dampened a bit, though, when he finds that Mariner has worked her way into his mission, essentially making him the second banana. Turns out Mariner knows Corinne from way back. They're old pals, and much to Boimler's chagrin, they spend the whole trip to Tulgana laughing and drinking and singing and drinking. And when they arrive, Corinne demands to be put down in the Klingon district, Little Kronos, instead of at the Federation outpost where they're supposed to be going. Once there, as Boimler and Mariner argue about what was protocol, the drunk Klingon takes off with their shuttle. During all of this, our resident cyborg Rutherford has a dilemma of his own. He loves engineering so much, like to the extent of spending a week solid in the Jeffries tubes, that he had to break a kinda sorta date with Tendi, who wanted to watch the Tivoli Pulsar with him. But no, rather than do that, the by the book Rutherford nervously applies for a change of assignment so he can have some more free time. To his surprise, his supervisor in engineering is totally cool with it. Rutherford is an asset to the ship, and he'll be great in another department, too. Only, he's not. First stop is a command simulation with Commander Ransom. It goes so badly that the casualties are 105% of the ship's crew. Employing the Janeway protocol doesn't fare much better. Next stop for Rutherford is medical. He's not that great there either, and he really needs to work on his bedside manner. Down on Tulgana 4, Boimler and Mariner continue the search for their missing Klingon. They go through Little Kronos and get some direction before bumping into and antagonizing a giant blue taxor. Mariner facilitates their escape by faking out like she tossed away the taxor's money bag. That leads to a trip through Little Risa, where Boimler nearly gets eggs laid in him until Mariner dispatches the frisky Anabaj with a hose. Working off a lead, the two make their way to an Andorian bar where Corinne was last seen. What they find is an elderly Andorian being beaten and harassed by younger ones until Boimler intervenes. What he doesn't know is that the elder was really a Vendorian shapeshifter and he just screwed up capturing it, kicking off an epic bar brawl. Mariner again saves the day by firing her phaser into the air to break up the fight and then offering the taxer's money that she cleverly pocketed to buy the next five rounds of drinks. 
Boimler, again bailed out by Mariner, is despondent. Maybe he's just not cut out for Starfleet. Checking in on Rutherford, he's doing way better than when we last saw him. Now he's trying his hand at security. And when he tries out a holodeck simulation of an impossible-to-beat Borg attack, he beats it. With his cybernetic enhancements, Rutherford is a natural. He blows away security chief uh, Lieutenant Shax, who proudly introduces him to the team as the newest bear in their bear pack. But at that moment, the call of the Jeffreys tube is too much. Rutherford knows that's what he's meant to do, and he asks to be let out of his security assignment. And that's A-OK by the security team. Follow your bliss. Do what's right for you, Rutherford, Rutherford, (laughs) Rutherford. Closer than ever to tracking down Karen. Mariner and Boimler take a shortcut, which puts them right in the path of a suspicious-looking Ferengi who offers them a ride. Mariner is ready to go. Dude looks like a bolian to her, but Boimler isn't having it. He interrogates the Ferengi about his landing code, but the Ferengi just pulls a knife and demands their profit. Boimler whips out his phaser and disarms the Ferengi, who runs off. Just through the woods, there's the Federation outpost, and the two ensigns are closer than ever. They can even see their shuttle, the Yo, uh, Yo Semite, Yo, Yo Semites, whatever, parked in front covered in tickets. And who should be passed out in the back? Corinne himself. So they'll just dump him at the feet of the nearest Starfleet officer before heading back to the Cerritos. In the shuttle, Mariner thanks Boimler but asks if he can just keep that story about the Ferengi to himself. Cut to the bar on the Cerritos where Boimler is living it up, recounting the story of how he spotted the Ferengi right away and unlike Mariner who thought he was a Bolian, can you imagine? At the other end of the room, Rutherford talks with Tendi. He's heading back to what he loves, working in engineering, so he won't be able to watch the Pulsar from the observation lounge with her. That's cool, she says. She'll watch in her pad and hang out with him in the Jeffrey's tube. It's not like he was trying all that stuff just to hang out with her, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Finally, Mariner from her bunk calls up an old friend. It's a sophisticated, good-natured Ferengi named Quimp, and he hopes his little performance on Tulgana was convincing enough. That's what friends are for, after all. The end. I can't believe you said second banana and you didn't say hot banana. Hot banana. <laughs> banana hot. <laughs> uh, uh, hot banana. That, that is going to become the iconic thing. I think so. Show. We talked about yeah. it for like five minutes last time. <laughs> I, just, I just imagine some, some sick programmers somewhere at Starfleet just being like, you know, we need an error code. Like, well, you could just have a light on there that says error. Like, no, 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 no. (laughs) It needs to be something like a hot banana. (laughs) Anyway, that was last week's episode. (laughs) That was, but we will never forget the hot banana. Never. (laughs) No, no, no. Hey, I I tell you what, right away, we've got somebody waiting to talk to us who uh, uh, the show has not talked to in a while. So we want to welcome him back. Ashley, prepare yourself. It's the Vice Admiral. Oh, it's the Vice Admiral here on the show with us. How are you doing tonight? I am great. How are you both doing? Good. If I'd known we were having a uh, a, a high-ranked officer, I would have put my dress uniform on. The long well, one, too, a... like we saw in the episode. The long, yeah. It, yeah. It's a high rank in Barfleet, though, not Starfleet, as John can tell you all about. <laughs> <laughs> which which may be more important, actually. I like so, to think so. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's on your mind tonight, sir? Well, uh, loving all of this so far. This has been a, a, a so much fun. So much fun. I loved uh, a lot of this tonight, uh, or well, this week. But I got to say the the possibility that the entire time through the first season or two or three of, of Next Generation, what we were seeing was the Ferengi consciously hiding their shrewdness and their sophistication to the point where Starfleet cadets learn that that's all they are, even though we know better, is just amazing. I love that. They're hiding their whole culture for years. It's. I wonder if it's a little bit of uh, retconning on the part of the writers here to say, you know, of all the places where Star Trek has decided on a monoculture, you know, Vulcans are all like this. They are all logical all the time. Klingons are all like this. They are all ferocious warriors who talk about honor all day long until we met a few other ones. It took a while, but we finally met some different Klingons. Finally, they were like, you know, the Ferengi can't just all be one thing. So now we're going to correct that a little. And now we get to meet the Ferengi who breaks the mold. Well, it's especially, also- go ahead. Sorry. I was just, I was going to say it's also nice because I think the Ferengi have the best and most dynamic rehab that we have seen of all of the Star Trek races. And as like a, a hardcore Deep Space Nine fan, it made me so happy to see them. I I know that the voice is SpongeBob and he's iconic, but I really I really hope that we get Armin Shimmerman somewhere in the show because he does so much voice work as well. I was like, why not why not Quark though? Was was me sitting there watching it? <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, we we do know Quark's still around based on mm-hmm. Picard, so that's not a problem. Right? He's also played 185 other Ferengi over the years. So, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I, I kind of you know I also. I have to give them a little bit of a pass because if particularly Starfleet uh, personnel who have not actually met any Ferengi, uh, what they are taught about Ferengi in their own words is like, here's this book that tells Ferengi telling you how they are going to cheat you. (laughs) <laughs> you know like so it's not it's not just kind of made up out of nothing it is like literally they wrote the book on how they're going to steal from you uh so i i can understand a little bit of trepidation uh but it was so nice to see this i, I love the monocle on uh quimp at the end there and the change in accent the change in voice he's just he was cool i want to see and- more of quimp Every time we get a human like that, I love <laughs> root beer. Those are always very funny because you have to assume in a Starfleet world that there's just universal translators or that everybody's mm-hmm. a polyglot, right? And it, so it's funny to me when we choose certain words that can't be pronounced or aren't translated. And we get a lot of that with the Klingon words in the episode as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention here that in the chat, I believe it was Chris who said that uh, in college he danced to the name Hot Banana. So uh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. I hope and, you only and, wore yellow. Yeah. <laughs> and some people say that they actually they don't love the dress uniform. Now they, they change it up a little bit. They had that white in there. And uh, well, I'm going to say this is the internet and you're wrong. No, that's that's totally fine. <laughs> Somebody was wrong on the internet? No. 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 Really? Yeah. Um, 
What, what else tonight, uh, Vice Admiral? Uh, any other uh, uh, points or, uh, or or Easter eggs or exciting things about this show? Oh, there's show? lots, right? But the, I think yeah. one of the things I, I'm, I'm loving about this whole thing so far is that, you know, uh, going into it, might not have been sure if they were going to be, uh, you know, what take on the humor they were going to go with, but got to love the fact that it's, it's not making fun of any part of Star Trek. It's making, it's having fun with every part of Star Trek, right? It's, it's a, a nice deep cut all the time into all the things you want to see having, uh, having fun with, right? Well I mean, said. <laughs> yeah. What, what, for, for both of you, what do you think that, would be like I, I don't want to give them any ideas, but <laughs> I mean, but but do you think you know? Were you expecting something that was maybe um, where it was just sort of like like raising an ironic eyebrow towards Star Trek, like like this is dumb and we're in on the joke, or or what I would hate to see, you know, making fun of Star Trek fans and fandom relying on cliches like that. I mean, I I, I agree with you. I think what we're getting is smart. Um, they they mostly go for the smarter joke to be found in there. I, I do have some some criticism. Which no, I'll we get did have we later, did have a but... poop joke in the in the beginning. Yeah, yeah we we did. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But as far as Star Trek goes, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're not just uh, we're not just lampooning the idea that there is a Star Trek. You know. I was I was super nervous that it was going to be a lot of um, like modern animated comedy tropes, like things that you would see maybe in Family Guy, which if that's totally great and it's great for family guy but i didn't want to see that in trek and mm. i think it does i think the show and the humor does a really good job at pointing at things as well that we all know are like kind of silly and highlighting them but doing it with love my favorite joke of the whole episode is the man wants hot worms and like <laughs> yeah. god just disgusting it's always every time you see it it looks horrible so the idea that like we are all in on this is very funny to me right right <laughs> Oh, and I love when uh, uh, when the the taxor kind of bumps into Boimler, or Boimler bumps into the taxor, and he, he spills the the gah. Then he's down there on the ground, like putting the worms back in oh. the bowl. Like this oh. is important, you know. <laughs> like, it's just it's very precious about those worms. Yeah, yeah, because they're important to somebody. They are exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. And there's the kind of thing I would like to see. Like again, you know, I want to throw some ideas out there. One thing I had uh, always thought of is in the animated series. They had these wonderful, but let's face it, um, gaudy force field uh, environment suits, right? That we've never mm-hmm. seen oh, any other yeah. time. Right. I would love for them to say, hey, you know, well, it's too bad we can't leave the shuttle because we, you know, there's no atmosphere out there. And somebody can say, well, what about these? What are those? Oh, those are environmental belts. Well, how long <laughs> have those been there? <laughs> right. Well, forever. We just don't use them anymore. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, little little to end. We are seeing obviously references to the animated series in mm-hmm. this series. Big well, you had time. the changeling right in there. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. the Vendorian, so yeah. cool. And and that was one of those where, you know, you look at an animation reference from forty five years ago, and and an animation now where, yeah, they made it look better but the same, like somehow they accomplished this to make it look right. And Very just, recognizable. Yeah, like as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm sold. You guys, you did your homework. <laughs> you watched the animated series and you picked that. You picked that to be in this. Which so. means, you know, John, we're going to get a Kazin or two at some point. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. A fish cat. 
We got to see a. Uh, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> I don't you want to see an orange and purple fish cat. Come Ooh, on. I don't know. Yeah. I'm more on the cat side of this equation. And the, <laughs> oh, and, and the asparagus people. We got to see those. Oh yeah. I mean, yes. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. We got to see those. So yeah, yeah the, the the references are are really really cool. Um, when when they do them right like that, and and, and again, I'll, I'll maybe save my criticism for a little later in this episode of Mission Log to to talk about what I don't think is going right for me. But those moments of recognition, because you have this huge kind of platform to play with and you just have people walking through a scene. Did you guys notice the Arcturians? Um, So from Star Trek, the motion picture, a race that was only there in the motion picture, but created as an action figure and showed up in some of the I mean, wasn't everything. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Promotional material. Uh, He's there. Never heard from again. But then you just have a little background, a couple of them walking away. I love stuff like that where you're not hit over the head with it. It makes me wonder if the animators were sent a series of screenshots of like, hey, these are all kinds of stuff that we can use. Or if because pretty much everything is in canon up to this point, pretty much everything is in play. They were like, just whoever you think is interesting, throw them in the background. We've seen a lot of Vulcans in our time. So anything that's not an elf will be great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and uh, uh, Chris in the chat says 50 foot Spock. And, and he was already getting people <laughs> uh, replying to that. So 50-foot Spock, it could happen. Barry says, we need a glomer. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the, all the things that we don't have in, to worry about a special effects budget for. Or right? putting exactly. a, some poor actor in a suit for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can have all uh, the Gorn we want without latex. So. There you go. <laughs> right, right. Uh, talk to me a little bit about... Um, uh, Themes and ideas in this episode. What what sort of resonated with the two of you? What 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 made you sort of go? Because I I had a few of these that just made me think. Oh, boom! This is Star Trek. This well, is so obviously, Trek both times that Rutherford decided that he wanted to change departments, and he had the entire department not only congratulating him but being more than enthusiastic about him finding the right place for himself in yes. in, in in career. That's exactly the kind of thing i think that we're talking about right it's, i love that yeah. i think in my notes i wrote this is the most starfleet starfleet thing that we have ever seen and it's it's so beautiful and it's so refreshing because the star trek future is the future that i think all of us want i think people disagree on how we get there but we all want to be there and to see that and and the repeated joke of like the oh well sir that's great we love that for you go <laughs> like john said go follow your bliss like that was so so beautiful my, one of my favorite themes i would say is the development of a platonic relationship because we're seeing that the Boimler and Mariner relationship continue. And it's obviously going in the same way that a typical first officer and captain would like, it's very um, Janeway and Chakotay season one to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's mirroring the potential romance that we're getting with Rutherford and Tendi, which like I'm here for, I ship kiss, 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 please any day now I'd be so happy. (laughs) But I think uh, I think Trek does a really good job at illustrating the different types of love that we can have. And I like that we're having a platonic next to a romantic relationship. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, now, now, wait a minute. D- does this not 
potentially cause a problem because, you know, Star Trek so often they, they've teased relationship. They've gotten a little bit into a relationship and then they just reel it back. They're just like, no, 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 relationship will ruin the show. So even we got for, for as much teasing as we got mm-hmm. out of Riker and Troy, we didn't actually pay that off until more than a decade later. Are, are you okay with this to have Tindy and Rutherford like right away? I love a sad, I love a sad slow burn. So I would definitely be here. Like if, if the end of the series is like their wedding or they finally get to be, I would totally be here for it. But also by counterpoint, I mean, in Voyager, uh, you know, Bolana and Tom fully have a baby. That's true. That That's very but true. It's definitely yeah. the exception to the rule. Like they, they yeah. do like, uh, which I, in a pseudo military setting would be correct, but you're not really supposed to fraternize that much. So. Yeah. But Although, I, well, I, I, they I have the same rank. Sure. They're in the same division. It should be okay. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. They don't. I was gonna say they don't work in the same uh, the same section, right? Like they don't work in the same division uh, as we saw because Rutherford well, just can't yeah. handle it. So it'll probably be okay when we get it, but I'd be okay with waiting a couple seasons for it. <laughs> right, right. And they play very fast and loose in Starfleet with what's allowable or or what's. I think they figure, look, if people are going to be on a starship for ten years plus. Just let them have a relationship. That's fine. And you got to replace those 105% of the kids, right? Jeez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a great line. By the way, other people pointing out some some fun uh, moments and fun lines here. Carlos, he says, I like the security bears. And I just... I, I, bear pack. <laughs> the bear pack. I just, you know, and as soon as he said the, the bears, hey, bears, we got, I just picked, you know, all the burly men in uh, in security. He is know. very that, though. He is. He, <laughs> somebody said it's like, a, it's like a, a, a Bajoran, you know, buff Wilford Brimley. Like, the, this, you know, <laughs> tough guy. You know, we're talking like, you know, uh, the thing and pre the thing Wilford. Mm-hmm. you know uh all right i did i did love yeah. it when he screamed by the prophets that went straight to yes. my heart um yes. you know but he's uh he's definitely like a bajoran zaddy so i guess they calling them the bear pack is not that strange <laughs> <laughs> right right so yeah oh and, and it's funny people are talking about relationships here on the shows and uh dominic says to paul and trip although that that one rocky <sighs> so as well so oh sad. yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. Some really sad stuff in there. And other great uh, Star Trek relationships. Uh, Dominic says, Archer and Shran. Oh, oh yes. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love so Shran. <laughs> I love that we got a lot of Andorian action in this episode. And they have that knife that... that uh, the ice knife. Archer. Yeah. Yes. That was cool. So, oh, so much to talk about. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron mentioning Kirk hands. The yes. Oh man, yes. <laughs> so good. So I uh, think we'll have Mr. Combs come in and do a bunch of uh, voice action if you if we have all, a chance. All the voices. <laughs> he should. All the voices. Yes. Yeah. Hey, uh, Vice Admiral. Anything else tonight? Because we'll we'll hop away. We'll we'll do a little business, and then we'll come back and uh, talk a little more about the show. Anything else uh, to share with us tonight? I'm good tonight, but it is great to see you, John. It's been a while. I know we've talked, but I haven't yep. seen you in a bit. So, Likewise. And great to lovely see to meet you, Ashley. Well. Lovely great. to meet you. Hopefully one of many times. Yes. Uh, hopefully in Vegas at some point as well, once we ever have that chance again. Also when there's no fire tornadoes, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 
That sounds like something made up on the Star Trek, you know. Truly. Don't go down to that planet. That's where they have all the fire tornadoes. Right, like yeah. that's um that's the plane that you have to cross in Vulcan. Is you know the, the <laughs> yeah, fire <yes>. forge or <laughs> Yes. Exactly. All right, guys, all right, have a great night. night. Talk to you soon. Take, Take care. Bye. Hey, uh, if you would like to call in just like the Vice Admiral did, well, you know what to do. You can click on the Zoom meeting link or you can give us a call at uh, 699-900-6833 and type in the meeting code or use the one tap from your smartphone or, uh, well, not or, but and, make sure you use the passcode when you call us and then Earl will pick up and Earl will be like, hey, how's it going? Let me hook you up with uh, Ashley and John. And he'll do that. It'll be great. We'll have a chat, talk about Star Trek, Lower Decks, comedy, It'll be awesome. But <laughs> that's what you do in the meantime. But in the meantime, Ashley and I would like to tell you about this week's sponsor. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. Now, you, uh, Ashley, you're in a different room tonight, so I don't know if you have your teeny tiny starships. I don't. So this is all on you. It's as... all on me. No okay. pressure, John. I didn't. You know what I meant to do? I meant to get out my uh, USS Glenn from Eagle Moss, because that's what's cool about the Discovery line. Not only are they huge and very detailed, but they'll do like a special one-off every now and then, like the Glen. Sure, looks like the Discovery, not the Discovery. It's the Glen, and we know that that ship went through hell. Well, so. I, need, I need you to promise that you'll bring it next week for us. I will. I absolutely will. And I'll bring any me. of them next week. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. But uh, let me tell you guys about Eagle Moss. And if you've heard about it before, just sit back, relax, guys, gals, non-binary pals. Eagle Moss is officially authorized by CBS Studios. They are the official Star Trek Discovery Starships. And that collection is available only from Eagle Moss Hero Collector. Again, Eagle Moss Hero Collector, only way to get these. This special collection features brand new ship concepts and designs from both seasons of Star Trek Discovery. And it will include ships from the upcoming season three that I know you are as excited about as I am. Each of them has gone through extensive reference study and has been reproduced under the supervision of Star Trek expert, Ben Robinson. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) For its accuracy and detail, because if there's one thing that we love as Trekkies or Trekkers, however you identify, it is accuracy and detail. Both of them, sometimes not even in that order. Uh, so the first thing that you will notice upon receiving your first ship, the USS Buran, which is probably on screen as I'm talking, that would be NCC 1422, is its larger size, just over nine inches from the front of the saucer to the rear of the quad-style nacelles. And now all the ships in this collection are in this larger scale. They're made of die-cast metal and ABS materials, hand-painted with reference to the actual CG models used in production. Each ship comes with a display base plus a collector's magazine featuring behind-the-scenes info, original design sketches, and a breakdown of technology used on board. So I'm just going to ask, what are you waiting for? Start your collection of these Cardina-class starships, the USS Baran, destroyed by Captain Lorca in the opening scenes of Star Trek Discovery. You remember him, played by Jason Isaacs, so handsome. And it is available to subscribers through this Mission Log Live offer for just $9.95 with free shipping. All you have to do is go to herocollector.com slash mission log and sign up and use the promo code Mission. At checkout. It's super easy to remember. Additional models that you can get are the iconic USS Discovery, that is NCC 1031, USS Corolla, NCC 1255, and the reimagined Klingon Birds of Prey, which is so cool. 
and so many more. They will sh- then ship monthly at an exclusive 20% discount off the standard retail price with free shipping. Oh, so wait, you hardly have to worry about anything. And there's more. And there's more. If you subscribe, you're entitled to free gifts worth over a hundred dollars. Nice. And you could cancel your subscription at any time. Why you would? I don't know, but you could. Uh, you can get the full details at herocollector.com/missionlog. Fans who would like to purchase their favorite ships individually, you could do that too. Uh, you could do it online at shop.eaglemoss.com or at your local comic book shop. Those will set you back the regular price of about fifty-four ninety-five each. But here, now that we're back on me, I'm just going to show you. Look at that. See that? That's the Shinju, and there's nice. that cool display stand that I talk about all the time and it's just so so nice so there you go yeah enough of our yapping about that 669-900-6833 or use the one tap from your smartphone or just click on that zoom meeting link and then you will need to use the uh, meeting code and the password to get in but it's easy it's dead simple people are doing it all the time talk to us about lower decks so Ashley yes John Let's get into those notes. Let's get Ooh. into these. All right. So th- there are so many references and just fun uh, uh, call outs. And, and I-, I have to admit, like part of me absolutely loves it. But I said last week, part of me has a bit of worry mm-hmm. within that too. Okay. And uh, I'm going to do like a mini rant here and, and you can, you can feel free to disagree. <laughs> you can feel free to correct me. Uh, people online, you can do the same thing. I have a very fragile ego, but don't worry, you, you, you can do it and I'll, I'll try to handle it. We'll uh, do it all with respect and love. <laughs> of course, of course. So, so here's what I think really worked in this show. When I think about the kind of humor that they're going for, it just so worked for me. And it was all within that teaser. All right, mm-hmm. so in the teaser, you get the trans-dimensional energy being. And that encounter goes a completely different way from all the other encounters like it, right? So we, as the audience, get to fill in the blanks. Like, like we see this coming. This is a very Star Trek trope. And then it just completely goes to hell, right? <laughs> something totally different happens. Yeah, we're not really having like a Trelane situation here or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and, and we get to, like, so we get to fill in the blanks here. We don't have to have a character say something like, ooh, this is just like that thing that snuck on board the Enterprise and impregnated Deanna Troy. You don't need that. You don't need to say this is like that thing. We're mm-hmm. already sold on the thing. Right. And then then a second later, you get the captain walking by and saying, oh, I need a clever catchphrase like it's warp time. Okay, but what you don't have to have is her saying, you know, Picard had one. It was like, make it so or something like that. I need something like that. You don't have to have it because we're already in on the joke. We already understand that world where we get to say, wait a minute, did Captain Picard come up with that on his own? Did he consciously decide that he needed to have a catchphrase? He's sitting there with the list. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warp it up. Like, no, that's not good. That's not, that won't work, you know. So we get to do the math in our heads and we get to just fill in the context of all it. So those two concepts in that teaser so worked for me. And I'm begging you, Lower Decks, I'm begging you, Please keep the clever moments like that. Keep them coming without feeling like you have to spell out the joke or drop 20 other references in there to remind us all that we're watching Star Trek. So 
what, uh, what, what didn't work for me was then going to a planet that is inhabited by so many familiar Trek aliens that in my head, I felt like it was Lower Decks making a list again. Mm. And, and, and let me be clear, like, I love the idea that in the background, you have these characters walking around, and then Aaron can send me a screen grab and go, look, it's this guy. You know, <laughs> like, that's fun to me. But, but what I didn't love is we're going to the Klingon place. Now we're going to the Risa place. Now we're going to the Andorian place. Like, it felt in concept... In concept, it's funny. Like if you were doing uh, a trade fair or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or a world's fair of Federation worlds and you maybe and you get this sort of like incomplete sampling of their cultures and you're making a joke out of that. But in this case, the way it was presented here, it felt like Lower Decks trying to justify its street cred by just naming off as many aliens as it could in the shortest time possible. So that, that was my problem with this. Not, not that there were references, but the way the references I felt were shoehorned in there because I was already sold on it. Like I was already sold mm-hmm. on everything else happening that that took me out of it. A- I am, think, I, uh, am I wrong here? <laughs> no, because it's an opinion and your opinions are never wrong. <laughs> Unless they're hateful, then they're wrong. Okay, all right, there you go. Yeah, good, <laughs> but good, yeah. I think that's interesting because I really liked that about the plan. I liked that, you know, when you're in, this is a very specific reference, so sorry if you don't live in LA, when you're in downtown LA and you're in little Ethiopia and then suddenly mm-hmm. you're in little Tokyo and then suddenly you're in Koreatown and it all kind of bleeds together a little bit. That right. to me, it was very reminiscent of that. So I found, and there are some lists here, but I found like the lists of, the different cultural references more effective here than when it was just like one, when it's a character literally making a list like we saw in the previous episode. Right, the, right. the things that I, I found sort of uh, ineffective uh, was, for example, when they're on the, um, the shuttle for the first time and Mariner is screaming about the, sh- the, the shields uh, as we go out to what is a commercial break, if you're like me and you don't pay for the non-commercial <laughs> version of CBS All Access, blast yes. shields, blast shields, blast shields. Yeah. Like, uh, just, that's just like not my cup of tea. So like sometimes yeah. there's a lot of uh, kind of like what we were talking about in last week's episode, the sort of uh, louder, faster, more intense. Mm-hmm. Those were the mm-hmm. moments that really broke it for me. But I, I found a lot of the references made were they're popular in fandom, but they're not popular in the shows. Like I loved seeing, I have to look up because I want to call it a horchata and that's not what it's called. The, oh, Horgon? Hor- the Horgon. I love, I, I love you calling it horchata though. I, because that's... now I want a horchata. Yes. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. you might be able to get one because yeah, there's yeah. a couple, there's some nice places in that area. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I like that reference too. And um, I know the Horgon is like a big part of a uh, queer trek fandom you see a lot of art of it in the rainbow flag or in the trans flag and and so i was like oh that i love seeing that that's so cool and then the alien who tries to mate with boimler is voiced by carrie walgreen who's the voice of starfire so and i love her um yes. so i i will respectfully disagree and that's okay. fine <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. yeah yeah it, it's it is a greatest hits, though. It is very much a greatest hitch. Yeah, and, and again, maybe it's just context. Again, mm-hmm. because I, I could see this idea working. I, I could see, like, if you just introduce the idea, hey, we're going to this place where all these cultures are represented. And then I think you can make a joke out of it. And they make a lot of jokes out of that. Um, the way it was introduced, I feel like it was just saying, 
oh, we're going to this planet where this Klingon has to get to a conference. Yeah. But along the way, we're going to cram every uh, Starfleet species you've ever met. <laughs> you know, the, the greatest hits. Yeah. We're going to get them in there. Let me ask you about another greatest hit. Uh, in the shuttle, when mm-hmm. uh, Mariner is taking a nap, and she's doing lines from The Wrath of Khan. Yes, yes, okay. the greatest Star Trek movie that ever Star Trek. <laughs> okay, I mean, love it or hate it, because she even says, like, keep having this great dream, so she's dreaming the movie. Yeah. Fine, maybe she's read the historical logs about what happened to Kirk, or what happened to Khan at uh, SETI Alpha 5. I wonder, that was a moment where I would love to see the script and there's a good chance Mm. that they will be online at some point. Oh, I'm going to push my table right over. (laughs) I would love to know if that was scripted or if that's an improv or if that was something that came up on the day of... Um, I, I liked it because for me, I'm like, oh, you're referencing my favorite Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. But that's definitely a, a, a moment of fan service. Kind of like in Sherlock season three when they gave up on plotting and they just had Sherlock and Moriarty kiss for no reason. Like, it's definitely like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Chris in the chat says, you can't handle the horchata. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm a white lady. I probably can't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I like, uh, I like to uh, throw a little rum in my horchata. Uh, and then, um, uh, and yesterday was National Rum Day. So True. sorry, I, I missed out on my timing there. Uh, Alan, Alan says, I guess the question is, is this a show specifically for the fan base or do they expect more of a general audience? If it's just for us, then go ahead with just dropping the references in, uh, but it, oh, just dropping the references. But if it's for gen pop, the general population, uh, then maybe- Are we in prison? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, then, then maybe that's why they need to do the greatest hits. Uh, that, that's a great point, Alan. I mean, it, it is a balancing act and- mm-hmm. um, I guess whoever it's made for, um, you do have this sort of difference between the written word versus what we actually get recorded versus what we see on screen. Mm -hmm. And it may play one way where the writers are saying like, oh, we have this vast history to pull from. We, We definitely are in that universe. We're definitely in that history. So let's drop in the things that, make us feel like we're at home there. But at the same time, I I just, you know, again, I go back to this where I feel like I'm getting a list. There is also, uh, and you and I know this very well, there is a chance that this episode in particular, they had uh, Tellarites perhaps show up at one point and then the executive note was like, well, that's too obscure. So then Mm, we went to Andorians and we've already seen some Andorians on board. And that's where we got so much Klingon stuff, which is very familiar, but Klingons are a little more exotic than Vulcans. Like there, there could definitely be a lot of executive oversight because one of the criticisms, and and I mean criticisms with love because criticisms is not a hateful thing Mm -hmm. of new Trek is yes. Is it for uh, all of us who've been Trek fans our entire lives that are bringing all of our respective baggage into this relaunch or is it for a new audience? And that is a very touchy, that's a, that's a tough balance beam to try and climb on because I mean, I squealed when they said rack to Gino, but yeah. I, for everyone else, I guess they're just going, well, I guess that's a Klingon word. I don't know what that is. Right, Memory right. Alpha is getting a lot of traffic this week. I'm certain. Yeah, truly. truly. <laughs> uh, by the way, do we ever decide what rack to Gino is? Is it just, coffee but it angrier 
Yes. Okay. I have tried to, I've gone to every, I'm a big coffee fiend. So I've gone to every uh, recipe for Ractagino that fans have put on the internet. It's basically like, what if espresso, but the whole cup and cinnamon on top. And when you look (laughs) at it, it, especially in DS9, because they put them in these little ice cream glasses, uh, unless it's in the, I actually have one over there, the actual Ractagino cup with the, with the oh. triangle bottom. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the travel cup. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. It, yes. really, it really just looks like a cafe mocha from Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Let me see if I can reach it. Hold, please. Oh, yeah, 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 please. Well, while you're doing that, I'll mention some other things that I love. Uh, like, I love the idea that we get a mention right at the top that all Klingon names sound familiar because nearly all of them have a K and an apostrophe. It's like, this. see, that's one of the, oh, look. Wait, you got to say something, <laughs> so. You, you got to say so something you, so, your, so your camera activates. Oh, hello, I can't. I was like, do I have to say something in Klingon? My Klingon is very not good. But yeah, it's got the little Federation logo on it. Thank you, eBay. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's licensed or not. Oh, of course not. That's uh, the best. It says yeah. trademark on it. So I'm going to say that I'm allowed to show this on Roddenberry. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but there are so many things in this that I love. Like uh, I was saying, I love just acknowledging the pretense of the Klingons having a K and an apostrophe. Because uh, of course they do, you know. That's mm-hmm. one of those those very long term Star Trek tropes that now we're just going to call it out and say, like, yeah, well, that, that that's just what they're they're, they're like. Um, I, I there's a little bit in here that uh, that was sort of it was obvious, but it was a throwaway because it wasn't addressed. And that's Mariner sitting in the uh, in the shuttle with like ten orders of ramen, it, like. <laughs> Like, a girl after my own heart, truly. Yeah, so, I love it. <laughs> and, and and the only thing that Boimler says is like, you know, you're gonna get noodles in the controls or whatever. We we don't actually say like, wow, you ordered enough ramen for ten people. It's just like, yeah, that's just what she does. She's and just... where did the ramen come from? Is that replicator ramen, or did she bring that with her? Got These it. are well, the important questions. There, there's got to be a replicator in the shuttle, so maybe it's part of for the pre-flight. Sure is you make sure the replicator works. So you're not getting so. b- banana hot yeah, <laughs> over exactly. and yeah. over again. Yeah, you have to make sure you get ramen hot before you, you go. go on a long flight. Uh, by the way, speaking of the whole uh, Klingon paradigm of how they, they name themselves, Earl mm-hmm. says, uh, does this mean we've been spelling Kang, Koloth, and Kor wrong for 50 plus years? Oh. Yes. Yes, it does. Not nearly enough apostrophes. Not in nearly fact, enough I, dramatic pause in the middle. No. The higher rank you get, the more apostrophes you earn. They just keep dropping them <laughs> in there. That's, that's why Worf has no apostrophes, because he's kind of an outcast. Exactly. Well done, Exactly. John. Didn't well earn them. See, we're, we're retconning as we go here. You know, um, they can, uh, CBS can hire us at any time. We're very employable. <laughs> can, totally. Um, how about uh, I'm Starfleet, I never go back on my word? I loved that. Um, my my other favorite Starfleet specific line is Section Thirty One walks like this because <laughs> yes. Section Thirty One but- is like a weird deep cut thing, and there's going to be a Section Thirty One show. So like that was a really cute reference, and I hope that they use that in their scripts. But I was like, that's so good. Okay, now wait. Do you think we'll really see speed walking in a Section Thirty One show? To I'm gonna say energy. I'm gonna say it right here. I hope we do, and I hope Dominic Keating reprises his role as Malcolm Reed and is the one who does it. And it goes, yes, this is how you walk with purpose. You are a spy. 
Yes, I hope so. <laughs> all right, good. Again, you're going for that CBS uh, paycheck, just uh, making sure they hear all of these good ideas. Yeah, yeah, copyright so. me. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, so love that. Um, uh, we mentioned some of the references that we love, like the Vendorian, the rock monsters. Okay, so the so rock good. monsters. <laughs> a creature that we have never actually seen on film, but everybody knows it from Star Trek V. From yes. the, the excised uh, footage uh, of Aww. Star Trek V. So R.I.P. I kind of love that. I know. Uh, any other quick, we have somebody waiting. Uh, any other quick reference here? Because I, I do want to wrap this up with sort of uh, a morals meanings message because I felt like yeah. uh, at the end of the day here, this it, it feels so Star Trek to me. So I'm going to hit that before we wrap the show. Uh, I just want to but- say that I, I love every time Rutherford is in sick bay or anytime tendy is in sick bay bad things happen it's never just like a calm day things no, go really not. bad like that was i hope that's a joke that continues that every time we go to sick bay the world is literally ending and she's just so like sweet and good natured it doesn't seem to phase her really no she's you look great kind of you're like, inside yeah. house. she truly wouldn't we want her as a nurse absolutely <laughs> yes 100 percent. all right so uh joining us tonight uh of course our old favorite the clown prince of star trek it is lou lou dropping by to say hello how's it going tonight sir how are you oh you have to unmute yourself or we have to unmute you or or not <laughs> hold on hold there on. He is. Rude. we're so rude uh, <laughs> how's it going go. tonight lou that's okay I, I keep that i keep that button away from my girlfriend because she wants to unmute me she wants to mute me all the time <laughs> hi rachel how we doing rachel i'm uh, rachel I, rachel robinson that's who i got her mixed up with <laughs> Uh, so it's okay. another very common white girl name, so it's okay. <laughs> put, put it on the blooper reel, John. There you That's go. I'm here for Lou, Ashley, Ashley, Lou. Uh, yeah. What's up tonight, man? What's on <laughs> My your mind, countryman? Yes. Uh, the, the the recovery is slow. It's a long, long road. Long road. Um, I'll tell you about that next week if off uh, off air if you uh, if you guys are still there. A uh, <laughs> couple of couple couple of quick ad libs. Um, First of all, I, I, I don't drink coffee, so I think I missed about 12 minutes of the, uh, of the conversation earlier. Um, I, so I don't know what to add to that, but what's the, um, I don't know, I guess, what's the Klingon version of Coke Zero? Oh, okay. Yeah, this well, is, I, yeah. hmm. Well, I, here's the thing, though. With, with Klingons, you can convince them of anything if you say <laughs> that, it, that it has honor, honor or it, it is a warrior's thing. Now all you fortified had to do, with honor. Yeah, all you had to do, all you had to, do to, to get uh, Worf to drink prune juice was say that it's a warrior's drink. So you could literally be like, um, we're out of Coke Zero, but uh, here's this Diet Shasta. It's a warrior's drink. I believe, John. Go to it. Mm-hmm. John, I believe... Uh, Worf came to that conclusion. He wasn't told that. Again, not a TNG expert, but I remember <laughs> that scene. He drank the prune juice. I don't remember what persuaded him, although uh, Guinan with her wiles could, could do about anything. But yeah. he said, yeah. warriors drink. Yeah, see, that's not had, wrong. No, uh, no. <laughs> Look after I, your guts. <laughs> uh, one question about, um, about what... Uh, I was going to say Rachel. <laughs> Lou, Ashley, Ashley, Lou. Ashley. 
<laughs> talk talk amongst yourselves. Oh my god! Um, uh, Ashley was saying like uh, in in LA you have uh, like little Ethiopia and mm-hmm. uh, a little um, other. Have you have you been to Toronto lately? Like I was in Toronto last June. That was the last time I was there. Yes. Why didn't you call us? We would have gotten together. <laughs> we would have. Had... I'm just. I'm it was just my saying... best friend's wedding. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Um, just, uh, I mean, in case, in case John or, or some of the, uh, American fans may not be aware, uh, we're the most diverse city on the continent. So mm-hmm. you can literally go from neighborhood to neighborhood to neighborhood. We, we, we speak something like 157 languages or something. You so, personally? There's a reason, a reason Kim's convenience is set there. <laughs> as Didn't get on to... that show. Didn't get yeah. on that show. Not bitter about it. Oh, well, uh, just to name drop, my friend is on that show. <laughs> yeah, nice. All right, we'll we'll chat and see if he can do lunch. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was gonna I was I was gonna mention that. And on on that note, Ashley, mm-hmm. um, I can tell you and John that I found out today. I just booked a role on a TV, uh, not a TV series, but a uh, mini series that's uh, that's being shot here at the Congratulations. last minute. Hey, right on! Yeah. Excellent. I, I wasn't Excellent. the first choice. But I will be their best choice. That's goddamn right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Many, keep, many keep, actors. Keep mm-hmm. Sorry, I was going to say many, many, many actors have uh, have been the second or third choice of the director to to try out for something, and they have made absolute names in themselves. In Trek as well. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Hi, Kate at, Mulgrew. What's I that? I say, yeah, look, look, look at Captain Janeway. <laughs> no, but, well, we can't, we can't go too far in that because, again, are you going to diss a Canadian actress? Absolutely not. But that's I, the way it should. That's the way it should. It's the way it turned out. It's the way it turned out. So I, um, yeah, uh, very briefly, uh, I think episode two was so. Now I watched these things once, guys. So don't tell me what I missed. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's a long list. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I will say that not only uh, uh, did I enjoy it thoroughly, but my girlfriend who can take or leave Trek for the most part uh, said she's liking it more. So uh, it was was good enough to, um, to, 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 to win over a, uh, a semi-skeptic. She she doesn't go with me to to conventions, but not yet. uh, oh, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that'll take mm-hmm. that. that I, I guess if I go to enough of her yoga retreats or, or, or eat more kale, I suppose she could balance it out that way. But, oh, uh, kale is the devil. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put an end to that right there. That can, just, that can screw right off. Yeah. yeah. We, we have mm-hmm. it up here. We have it up here. I'm just saying we grow. We well, grow I guess here. I'm not coming there. Uh, <laughs> so, but by the way, uh, a couple of quick things here, because uh, as always, Lou, we're coming toward the end of the show. I, I want to, uh, I want to mention here that in the chat, somebody brought up a good question about my bones is this going to become the oh, yeah. the, the trek trope of lower decks it's funny it's funny can you sustain it of course uh, uh, over however many episodes yeah we'll I tell wonder. you in eight weeks if it's good <laughs> right right um and, and since we are kind of nearing the end of the show mm-hmm. here, um, and I'll get both of your uh, feedback and input on this, but th- there was something that just really struck me about this episode, especially after watching it a couple of times. So Lou, you can go back and, and watch it again. Uh, that, that this I'll one have some had, coffee. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> this had 
morals, meanings, messages that really felt at home from Star Trek and really felt at home from Mission Log. Um, I, just the plots that we get, if you strip them out of the animated comedy context and plugged them right into TNG, they would absolutely work. And it I love that. Would. You have lessons of honesty and support and friendship with the Rutherford plot line. Yeah. And then you have this growth out of Boimler and Mariner and humility, this lesson in humility and, and giving the other person a leg up. Uh, so I love how just in two episodes, 44 minutes of show, mm -hmm. so far we've been able to push these characters along and actually get growth and development out of them that we rarely get <laughs> out, of, <laughs> out of other shows. I'll, I'll... Um, Oh, yeah. Sorry, it, did, did either of you pick up anything else you want to add to that uh, yeah. about kind of the heart of this episode? I'll, for, I'll defer to Ashley. I was going to say, for me, it was a lot about the idea of found family, which is one of my favorite things about Star Trek, which is why, again, I'll say it till I die or people get sick of it. I love DS9 so much. And we get it. The most obvious example is, again, the thing that we all love the best, which is Rutherford trying to find his place. And everyone is completely supportive of him on his journey. But it's also there in what Mariner and Boimler are doing. And I'm so glad that we're getting growth from those two characters specifically, because I was really worried uh, that Boimler was going to be like an annoying, mediocre white guy. And he's mm -hmm. not. He's a fully realized real character with flaws and foibles who is allowed to grow and who is allowed to have support support and that for me that's the heart of the episode and as a, an annoying mediocre white guy myself <laughs> i would like to say that i'm grateful for the opportunity to finally still have a niche in there um, <laughs> one uh one thing that i've i've noticed in um in other shows and i won't mention which ones um is that what impresses me is the writing and the character development or I guess in live, live action, the actors. I found that I am already caring about these characters and I'm interested about them and I'm drawn to them. And they're starting to develop as, 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 as you suggested, John, the, the, these layers and the depth of their character, the sacrifice. And we were, we were trying to figure out what was going on with the, with the Ferengi when, um, uh, when, when Mariner seemed to, it convinced me anyway that she didn't know what was going on and i thought you know what yeah you you one rule we have in improv as i'm sure ashley is aware of you make your partner look good <laughs> and that that sacrifice if you want to call it that just 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 touched me to the core and i thought yeah yeah i that 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 moved me and um the Getting getting uh, uh, getting Rutherford off the hook. Um, I, I I I'm blanking on the uh, on the Orion girl's name now. Tendi. Tendi. No, don't yeah. tell me. I'll get it. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, hey Lou Lou, yeah. I, we we agree with everything you're saying. We're we're over time right. though. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. so thank you. But I, I we can all agree that it was a a heartfelt episode with with a lot of great moments and we hope to see more of that here with that said and thank you to both of you and everybody who joined us mission log live is produced by roddenberry entertainment executive producer rod roddenberry technical production on mission log live is by the inevitable earl green be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the roddenberry podcast network including not just mission log but also women at warp priority one the trek files and your daily Star Trek news and shabam. 
If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.